Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Moth. And... Welcome back to the Masters of Modern are Podcast. You, are you a good whistler? It's <laughs> <Yeah>. pretty good. <laughs> it's okay. I'm okay. Yeah, I, I can do better. No, we're not going <laughs> to. We're not going to have a Star Wars whistle off no, right now. That's not what's happening on this episode. <laughs> Welcome to the National Modern Podcast. I'm your host Alex Kessler with my co-host Ben Bateman. What's up, everybody? So, if you didn't know, we saw the last Jedi last night. We will not spoil or talk about it until maybe after the spoiler point of the episode. Yeah. So, this week's episode, it's been a year. Another year of this podcast. Another year in modern. Another year 20, of the show. 20, 2018. Have we been on Collected for a year? Uh, more than that, I think. Maybe. Yeah, Lord, just more than that. Happens. It all just happens so fast. Yeah, going back to the beginning. We started out 2016 with, uh, oh wow, look at this. Our first episode in 2017 was previewing Fatal Push. Oh yeah. That was a cool spoiler. Uh, I mean, our first episode for 2018 is going to be previewing our preview card it's for card. Rivals of, of Rivals of Vixlon. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. It's a sweet card. Yeah. We've seen it. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing more to be said about that right now. You can't. Not legally. There are there are lawyer ninjas, and they literally use the words lawyer ninjas that will hunt us down. But I'll we like do have a preview card on January 2nd. And you guys will ready. like it. It's and you'll cool. like it. Yep. Yeah. Um, but today's episode is going to actually just be about a year. We're going to talk about this year. We're going to talk about the recent GP results over... Uh, in Oklahoma City that happened this last weekend that were really cool, really exciting. Top 8 was really interesting. Um, and then we're going to talk a little bit about what we would play at the Team GP. Uh, I am actually not going to be able to make it. Ben is going to try. but I might. Our, our um, buddy Eric Wydetz, who created the Highlander Roulette format you guys have heard us talk about before, uh-huh. he and I have been talking. He might play Legacy. I might play Modern. We might open it up then to a third person. For Standard? Yeah, we're unsure. It's just hard... It's difficult when, when you have to deal with other formats that aren't modern. It's just hard for us to go to tournaments, period. <laughs> um, I think, like, I, I feel like there's a good chance that, like, that, that tournament's going to happen, and then, like, the next week I'm going to have to fly somewhere for work, probably. Right. Or, like, well, and, and something we will do is this episode, Mike, uh, Michael Grothy, who is, uh, you know, works for Kesco and was uh, what the, the lead developer for Super Party Battle, the game that we released this year, uh, is going to come on because he is actually playing the tournament and is playing the modern portion. So we're going to discuss, based on the Oklahoma City um, results, what decks we think are good choices for that tournament. And he'll, he'll help discuss that because he's actually going through that decision process as we speak. Um, but before we get into all of the GP goodness, why don't we discuss a little bit of how this year went and like whatever are some of our favorite moments and, and our favorite episodes and, and kind of do a little bit of a download because this, I believe, is going to be the last episode of 2017. Yeah, I don't think. Action Movie Night, we just did the exact same thing. We just signed off for two weeks. Um, and I think it's that same. It's weird. It's weird yeah. to take two weeks off. It's weird to do a podcast for literally hundreds of weeks, and then when you don't have it in your life for a week, it's it really feels like uh, even though we don't get to talk to you guys who listen to this, we don't actually get to have a conversation with you, I think there's just a sense of audience and community in the show that feels like we're talking to you guys. So when we don't talk to you for two weeks, it feels like we've really missed some stuff. 
Um, maybe I get to feel a little more connected these days because of uh, 10 Minutes of Modern. Speaking of which, we have uh, shout-outs to do, actually. Oh, we do. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter. I'm at Kess Wiley. I'm Ben Bateman Media. We are at the MMCast. You should also make sure to check out our sister podcast, The Command Zone. I mean, at this point, all of you should have heard by, about them. They're awesome. They do great Commander every they're week. Great. They do an awesome show called Game Nights. Um, they're just, you know, the best. And Jimmy and Josh do a really good job. And make sure to go to thinkgeek.com to buy Super Party Battle. It's the party game version of Magic that we came out with um, that you can buy there. It's really sweet. You're like on a college campus throwing the best party, fighting other students, kicking them out of other parties. Um, you can go buy that game right now. Yeah, make sure to check out the Facebook community group. We're at 2,700 people. Yeah, it's like pretty wild. We're almost at 2,800. By the time this episode out, comes out, we might be at 2,800 people. We yeah. opened that in like... Like four or five months ago? Four, we're getting 500 people at it every month. So yeah. it's, it's becoming more of a, just a great place to discuss modern. We yeah. do, you know, Hagen Kirk does a really good job moderating with us to make sure that everyone keeps it friendly, keeps it open, and makes it about what are cool things you can do in modern and kind of discovering how to d- do different cool, fun things in the format. Yeah, we've been using it. It's, it's, it's been fun um, to just be able to sort of pay attention to the modern conversation, but then we've also been using it to source ideas. So, for instance, uh, now two weeks in a row, I've done something on 10 Minutes of Modern, which is the, that's the anchor station. A lot of you guys know about it now. Um, it's basically like Twitter meets podcasting, but it's short form, five to 10 minutes a day of just modern content here from us. And I've been doing a thing now for the last couple of weeks where I come up with the top four, um, like four underplayed somethings. And so last week it was four underplayed counterspells. And I, you know, I put a little post up in the Facebook group with a picture so you guys can kind of see the cards I'm talking about. And then I record for five minutes about those four. And I did it again last night with uh, four underplayed one drops. And so I think I'll be probably doing more of that where I'm trying to link the content from Anchor with a visual so that if you don't want to have to listen to it, you can at least, you know, start the discussion thread. And it's cool because we have thousands of people now that are part of those conversations. So it, you guys, I'm sure those of you that listen to the station have seen the parallels between the topics that show up on Anchor, show up on the Facebook page, and then ultimately will make it to the podcast for full episodes because that's where we, I think we get a lot of our information now is that group. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and last but not least, make sure to check out 10 Minutes of Modern on the Anchor Station. Do you just do that? <laughs> For like two minutes solid. Oh, I thought, okay. You just like fully zoned out. Yeah. That, was a, that was a very impressive. I'm looking up Grand Prix results <laughs> for 2018, all right? <laughs> that was unbelievable. You even, <laughs> are you putting your hand up like you're a Jedi now for me yeah. to stop talking? <laughs> this, that you will happen. stop talking. Um, all right. Well, <laughs> that was <laughs> that vintage. didn't happen. All right, so this year has been pretty great. Uh, I mean, this year has been long. Uh, I can't believe that movies like Get Out and Lego Batman and Logan came out in the same year as the one that we are currently in. They never saw like they came out last year. Never saw Lego Batman. Really? Yeah. You should watch it. Your last name's Batman. Never saw the Lego movie. Uh, you should also watch that. It's really good. Yeah, that's what but, people say. I tried to watch the Lego movie once. I wasn't that interested. I don't know why. I don't really like animated very much. Do you know that? I, I, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, I like struggle to get into those movies, not because they're not good. I just struggle, you know. Um, but uh, okay, we're, we're all collectively judging you. But uh, so yeah. So what what would you say? We start. I think Fatal Push is definitely one of the high points. I think we've we've Mo- Modern Masters twenty seventeen also came out this year, which is crazy that that was this year. Feels GP like the Vegas least, was this year. Feels like Modern Masters twenty seventeen was the least hyped of those sets. Well, because um, now well a because. It's not the third one. Yeah. B, we are now getting two master sets a year. Yeah, I mean, I think there was a little... We talked about this on the price episode a lot, but I do think that this year was a little a little heavy on the master sets. Yeah, I think we want less. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Iconic uh, iconic 
Eternal, the one we just talked about, Modern well, Masters. Well, this year, this year we got Iconic and Masters, and then next year for sure we're at least in the spring set where we had Masters come out. We're getting Magic 25. So mm -hmm. we're going to get the 25th anniversary of Magic, and we'll probably get something else. Uh, someone made a good point that we what we should have is there needs to be a basically a commander-focused Eternal uh, uh, Master set and a legacy focused master set come out every other year and then or or go like legacy focused modern focused commander focused modern focused and then like one a year and it goes that cycle so that you get a modern one every two years and you get every other year you get either a commander or like a more casual focused one and or you get a more legacy focused one and they this was i think chaz andres kind of wrote this on star city yeah. games the other week and that was definitely like the recommendation i liked the most um so that that was this year this is the year of two master sets um, yeah and i think i think when you think about what was 2017 about for magic uh, or for modern um i would say the most notable thing for me is that the the price structure of the format changed for the first time in six years we saw a legitimate change, mm -hmm. uh, an actual drop where the floor is lower than we thought it could be. Um, they they didn't tank it, but they made it more approachable. And it doesn't sure. feel like Magic is as expensive a, as a, of a game as it felt. It's super open. This is also the first year without a Modern Pro Tour, um, which has been an interesting effect. And it will maybe the only year without a Modern Pro Tour. Getting a Modern Pro back, Tour next yeah. year. So uh, seeing what that effect has on the market i am very interested to see if matt modern just in general becomes more expensive once the pro tour happens just because that's such a high profile focus lens on it um but modern has been very wide open every gp has been totally different from tron and scapeshift dominating this year to affinity winning the first one after the bannings to death shadow being the big bad in the room forever merfolk won another one this year like just in general you know this last weekend people walked in the turn being like uh you know, the deck that it to beat right now is Lantern Control. And yeah. Zach Elsek went undefeated day one. Yeah. And then proceeded to lose to 4-2 drops so, or like 4-3 drops. So like Modern as a format has been extremely diverse all year. Just a totally evolving format. You know, the 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 conversation is always – it's interesting because the, the conversation that seems to happen ever after almost every GP is – do we need to ban this card? And almost every single time it hasn't happened. Now, right. I can see... I would say right now, walking in the next year, having a Mox Opal ban is something that I definitely think people might need to be looking out for. I think if just because... Especially if a deck, a team playing uh, Affinity wins the next GP. But I think just in general, having... Lantern control in the format is something that Wizards might be worried of. I don't think Tron's getting a hit. I don't think that's an issue. I think, though, this modern GP, and we'll get into this more specifically, is going to prove more along the lines of the Tron lands being a problem, not Eldrazi Temple, which is kind of the kick I was on when we discussed this earlier this year. Yeah, me too. Um, that, like, that combo of cards could just be a problematic thing. But right now, I think that would be, you know, doing this well at one GP isn't enough. This was a weird GP top eight. I mean, like that, let's be honest. This, you know, and, and we'll we'll get to break it down. But um, I talked about this a little bit on on ten minutes. But it, it just was. We only had one deck that even kind of a little bit resembled a, a normal interactive fair deck in the top eight, and even that 
didn't have a total fair approach. It was playing unfair cards in it. Right. And we'll so. get, we'll get it, yeah. And, and what's interesting to continue the conversation of this year before we get into the GP stuff, because we're going to be really tempted to just do that, is this is all the year that they opened it with Brannings. So Gitaxian Probe was banned, um, and was and uh, Golgari Grave Troll was banned to start the year off. Golgari Grave Troll, not you know, surprising anyone. I actually am kind of really proud of Wizards to have banned that card, as much as I love Golgari Grave Troll, but... They unbanned it. It wasn't a problem, and then it became a problem again. And they realized that, and they just took the steps to it. Dredge is still a great deck. Uh, Dredge top aided this last GP, um, so that hasn't been a really problem. In fact, getting the double punch of Gitaxian Probe and Fatal Push coming out within a month of each other, or leaving the format within a month of each other, has definitely hurt Infect as a standing a deck. Infect went from one of the top tier decks in the format to a tier 2.5 deck, but it is still around. I mean, I think the easiest, you know, if, if again, if, if the first question we're asking, you know, we published an episode on the 2nd of January this year where we spoiled Fatal Push. Yeah. And I think... That's know, been the defining thing of this year. I think Fatal Push went from been defined by if, Fatal Push. Yeah, I mean, the format yeah. completely changed. Um, you know, you've definitely, you've definitely seen some trends. Uh, I think... You know, if we were going to give awards, deck of the year, I think has to probably be Death Shadow. I would think Death Shadow, even in the even in the middle part and the earlier part of the year, Death Shadow decks were already competitive. Yeah, if I'm going to give the deck of the year award to a deck, it would be that. I think close, like a runner-up, like the nominees are yeah. uh, uh, Eldrazi Tron, yep. Death Shadow. Um, I want it like Affinity and then Merfolk would yeah. probably be the four. And, they, and Merfolk going from a deck that won a GP to blue-green Merfolk like halfway through. Like there's just some like, transitions. Because Storm and Humans, those are more recent. I think, I think you know... Uh, Storm. Storm would be up there. Humans would be a... Uh, Best, like best. Uh, the, there's the 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 incoming class awards in sports. Uh, rookie, yeah, rookie of the year. Like okay. I would give humans a rookie of the year award. We should have thought about this. This would have been a really fun segment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. should have done this ahead of time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think there's like a few of those. Um, you know, like the year before that, I think Larrington of the Control would have won. And, and walking into this, this is what's doing really well. Yeah, I wonder what car, what's the card of the year. Is it? I it's mean, fatal push. It's 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 so easily fatal, fatal push. push that what, like, would, what would the nominees be? Death Shadow as a card. Death Shadow as a card. Fatal Push. Um, walking Ballista feels like it's Walking probably, Ballista could be. That would be a nominee, I think. I think Spell Queller is an easy include. Collective Brutality. Collective Brutality is an easy one. one. Coco maybe, but I think Coco dropped off. I think Coco was more of like last year's crowning kind of thing, where this year it's much more these kind of cards. Yeah, I, I think to me, I would definitely like cement it at like Spell Queller. Um, walking Ballista. Walking Ballista. Fatal Push. Fatal Death Shadow push, Brutality. Maybe Street Death Wraith. Show. I mean, Street Wraith's been a big in a, in a few decks, but like... I think I think just... Living End didn't make enough of an impact yeah. this year that it's like... It just, it's just, again, that... that that just goes to Death Shadow. Like, yeah. So, yeah, so that's, that's been pretty interesting. Um, yeah, that's kind of a fun thing. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll do that next year. Um, <laughs> so, other things that this year, like, really, you know, stood out and, and were interesting in Modern. Um, did you have, like, a favorite moment or a favorite episode that we did? Do you remember? Um, I think, I think actually, and it's going to be a weird one, I think my favorite episode was casting the magic movie. Oh, yeah, that was fun. That was really fun. You I think, cast Chandra as Madeline Petch. Yeah. <laughs> From Riverdale. Yeah. She's so crazy. Am I wrong? No, but you stopped watching that show. Well, I don't know. I'm just going to watch it as a... It's a... It's a it's You're no a, longer a believer. No, it's, a, it's not a weekly... <laughs> I need to watch that on Netflix all at once. Yeah, I, Like, they're... 
for me to like a show that I can watch weekly, I have to. It has to be a popular zeitgeist moment. It has to be a Game of Thrones. It has to be something else where Riverdale, I can. Like, Riverdale is like Fringe. It's it's like it's almost that. People, I, there's no one in my life that I get to talk about it every day with. Except that, incidentally, every single employee of Kesco secretly watches Riverdale. Do you know that? No, I, I kind of knew that. Yeah, oh, it's yeah, my yeah. favorite thing in the world. <laughs> I, I, I need to be able to post. A th- I do this for like I did for Star Wars, and you can go check it out if you've seen it already. It's a cool discussion thread. Uh, I like post a. Uh, discussion for this last week's episode of a thing in the comments, spoilers, and then then like the people just start discussing it as kind of a, a discussion thread for each thing. Every single episode of Game of Thrones, I did that. That's like I need to be able to do that for every episode. Yeah, not enough and people watch it for the. Yeah, yeah. and it's not it's not like a thing that everyone's like. Oh, we need to talk about Riverdale today. I like. But I back really, to back to us. I, and not <laughs> I enjoyed that episode a lot. Um, people had a problem. Some people had a problem with that episode. There was like the there was like definitely some comments. Um, I mean, not like on the whole. There were some comments I remember on Twitter. Um, you know, some people want. Some people just want us to talk about modern on the show. That's like a thing. Yeah, and, and it's we, weird. Where are we a modern podcast? Yeah. <laughs> we went pretty off. You know, we went pretty off base with that one. Um, but I remember enjoying it. Like, we're. I think you and I are both pretty, pretty big in like movies and TV. Yeah, it's definitely our like sort of second. I, I think the issue then, and I said this then too, or when we start getting a little bit of pushback on it, it was more that we did like a month of only non-modern content. And yeah, we like, definitely had a weird and and that month instead of focusing on modern part of that was just there was no modern GPs, there was no modern tournaments. There was like we were like didn't really get in the flow of paying attention to the SCG yet. We didn't have Hagen Kirk doing kind of data dumps every week yeah. for us on the Facebook group. So it was kind of like trying to figure out what to talk about and the the magic movie stuff was something we were definitely really fun. I'm like I'm actually just like looking at our list of episodes surrounding that and that's like so not true. People just like to complain. <laughs> that's what it really is. <laughs> I'm like looking at our list of episodes here and they're all like legitimate magic topics. I'm, it, look, I'm looking I'm looking for it. You might you and I might have just been more rambly. That happens sometimes. Yeah, maybe. Maybe we had more fun recording it than necessarily people had listening to yeah. Yeah. record it I, well, for me a big one for me was the top 30 all-time decks in modern i really liked i that like episode. that one i also liked ranking the five colors even though we totally forgot storm existed as a yeah deck. and it was like <laughs> the weekend before we recorded it that we hadn't really looked at to make sure like was the weekend that storm broke out as well right so it was like this big like ooh, so, yeah so like red's way better than we gave it credit for in there- that list i think i would put red over I don't know. It's hard. It's hard. Right now, the colors are pretty balanced, it feels. I think maybe blue is the worst color I'd have modern. to. I'd have to lay it all and think about it again. I think I think one of the major changes in 2017, it was great, was that, you know, uh, 10 Minutes of Magic started, and then around four months into it, it changed. That was about three or three or four months ago, changed to 10 Minutes of Modern. Yeah. Which means that instead of me coming up with topics to talk about on there and involving you with just general magic ideas... I'm always paying attention to tournaments, re- tournament results now. Sure. So I look at every top eight that comes out because yeah. I really want to know like what you know. I want to come up with new brews and tech and 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 have things to talk about that people want to hear about now. Right. On a day to day basis. And there's topics that only in the magic the, the the magic sort of canon only last for you know two days and then they kind of go away. People right. Don't, people don't want to talk about things for longer than a couple of days sometimes. So it makes it hard for us on this podcast to justify paying that close of attention to every little tiny nuance. Because we record once a week, and we people need to catch up. But now, now we have a little bit of a finger. I, I would say, so, so what? What would you say are things that we need to improve on? Well, improve we on? in the earlier days we had more guests, um, and it's it's difficult. You know, you and I got busier and busier. It feels like every uh, other week one of us is out of town now, so it's hard for us to find a consistent time to record that isn't like 
nine thirty in the morning on a Tuesday. Right. Yeah. For yeah. Instance. Part of the issue is that you because since you've joined Kesco and since Kesco has really started being a real thing, which yeah. has happened in this last year, uh, it, we started recording as part of the workday. We do it in the morning, but that means the availability of guests in general has significantly depreciated because just people have real jobs, um, and so their availability to record on a nine thirty on a Tuesday versus before we used to record episodes at seven p.m. at night. So getting people as guests on on evenings was a little bit easier for us to accomplish. Yeah, it's a, it's a harder gig now. I mean, you know, you guys have been who have been listening to the show for years know that Alex has been building towards owning a company and, and launching toys and games for a couple of years now. And you've heard me talk a lot about moving into more and more media projects as an on-camera host and producer. And I still do all those things. So I my 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 second the amount of time that I would have to like show up to record at the convenience of a guest is less than it used to be. We have to be on a tighter schedule. We have to be much more careful with our scheduling, and it makes it very difficult to accommodate booking guests. Yeah, and I think I think something that we're going to try doing next year, we're going to do a few different things. We're going to, A, make more of an effort to get into video, and I know we make this promise every year every in review, <laughs> and we never done it, but it, it becomes a little bit more of a focus because of the games we're producing to create more content on YouTube in general and to start kind of a new, fresh YouTube channel. So that's something we're looking to do. We just use the Patreon money to buy a camera. We just bought an HD camera yep. and mics. and, and we, Alex... we, we got a new mic. Like the, This year, definitely, we did a good job of upgrading, updating our equipment. We had gone almost three years without a single new piece of equipment and now we're you know we've saved enough on patreon over the last year to be able to afford getting a zoom microphone uh recorder and a camera to be able to tripod and other equipment that we didn't have to be able to do a better job at um recording content and making content for you guys so that's something we're excited for next year that and, and something i want to be better at is is kind of making video versions of what we're doing i want to be better at i want to be more con- I think something that we maybe need to make an effort on is is either looking for a little bit more of some guest hosts that are more rotational yeah. and less, this is a Magic Pro that is out there and is a famous guest and the guesting, but more of a kind of a substitute teacher list so that uh, if there's days where I'm in Hong Kong or you're in Chicago or we're traveling for whatever reason, we can have one of us get subbed in and with guests that people are already familiar with. I, I looked back at the schedule here and it felt like this year we had missed a bunch of episodes. It looks like we actually missed one episode this year, which is shocking to me. Really? I just counted. There's there's four for every single month, except for some one. Sometimes there's three, and then there's five the next month. So, huh. and then there's in October. Where it looks like we missed one or maybe even two. Okay, but that's it. Wow. So yeah, not as bad as I thought. Yeah, I thought uh, we did really bad this year. Yeah. So I was going to say one of the things is consistency. I mean, that's for me. That's a big one. As I, you and I talk about this a lot, but um, I do want a little more consistency out of the show, and I think that probably the people that listen to it uh, when it comes out, for instance. And, you know, the same day, the same time kind of a thing. I would love that. Right. Um, but, again, that's just on us for, for making the time available. I think another thing is you and I talked a lot a year ago. There was an expansion in the wings for video. We were going to do it a different way that was coming. And, unfortunately, it sort of just didn't happen the way that we hoped it was going to happen. And that that derailed the momentum there a little bit. We had kind of a plan. But, like, literally at – so the Kesco offices, we just literally added a second floor. Yeah. Uh, there was, like, a attic air conditioning duct space that we put in real rafters and floors and lightings, and that area should be done actually next week. Uh, and in that area, we've already designated an area where we're going to have a permanent camera and audio equipment set up and make a little set out of that space. And when we do that, that should definitely alleviate some of the at least locational perspectives of our problem. And that'll also allow us to make more consistent content in a place that looks nice. So that's definitely one of the exciting things that's going to happen over the next year. Yeah, I think, you know, also thinking about other other things that we want, we want to do more of. Um, Alex and I talked a lot 
and recently we've actually been talking a lot about this. Um, we talk about brew ideas a lot. We talk about cool things we want to do and interesting things. And I, I'll build them on my phone and I'll sleeve them up and I'll play some games. Sometimes I'll go to a local tournament and try them out. But Alex has been saying that he's been basically shaming me for not playing Moto <laughs> a lot and telling me that I need to just make time to, to build these on the Moto collection and show you guys the games so you can actually see us play with these decks at least one time before they just get kicked to the curb. Right. And... and Part of the reason is, is Ben doesn't have a, a PC, he has a Mac, but then the other end of that corner is I bought uh, a $200 Dell laptop that you could just have and carry with you that's really light for another employee of the company. So yeah. you can buy a laptop for cheap to play Moto on, so no excuses. I just don't like the I don't like losing the experience, the social experience of, of going to a store and playing, and that's, when, that's if I'm going to make four hours in a week. Yeah, but you like live in hotels in the middle of nowhere half the year. Yeah. That you could be... So, uh, okay, so a few things I want to ask you guys, listeners of this podcast. One, Do you think should, Ben is stupid? Should, <laughs> how dumb on a scale of 1 to 17 do you think Ben is? Uh, and how smart on a scale of 1 to 1 am I? <laughs> no, uh, should, should me and Ben and Ben or I separately do more effort to make moto videos? Uh, when Arena comes out, would something you'd be interested in is more brew-focused content, but in the card availability of Arena, so uh, that won't be able to be modern, but it'll be pseudo-standard focused. Yeah. Um, and uh, what are other things that we could do better for you guys? Now, be nice. You know, we are we are afraid of asking this because yeah. uh, our feelings are hurt. I think someone commented that I interrupt you too often, and I tilted for like three days. No, they no, were no. Like, somebody called me a better host than you. And yeah, you fully tilted. Yeah, you, they you. said that you should just. I shouldn't be on the podcast. <laughs> I like couldn't handle it. You emotionally tried. scarred. And now everyone on the podcast is going to tell me that they agree, and then I'm going to just crawl in a hole. And Alex die. tried firing me that day. It was. <laughs> <laughs> I did not. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so don't say that stuff but you know <laughs> constructive criticism <laughs> and and we definitely want to hear that we now want to know what you guys think we could do better and stuff we can do cool that's different and, and ideas like that that'd be really fun to have a good idea on um yeah but i think and on a whole i think this year was really exciting i think a lot of cool stuff is happening we came out i came out with my first game yeah um there's a really cool so the one that's out right now is super awesome and super party battle you can get it on thinkgeek.com but um, the one we're planning to come out we're going to be kickstarting it probably well, like beginning of spring next they're, year is they're distinctly different games the yeah. one that's out now is a party game the one that we're coming out with is like a true competitive game like it would it'll it'll feel much more like playing competitive magic. tier one magic yeah for you guys uh but not with just a, and, and it's not like a mat it's not magic it's no. a different game it's a totally different concept and it's very cool and as somebody who doesn't play a lot of games uh, i like that game a lot so nice. <laughs> um so yeah get ready for that and you know there'll be kickstarter and you'll definitely be hearing about it on this episode um um not to mention all the other stuff, you know, next, there's, we're going to see these things called drop top balls. They're coming out in February, and you're going to see things called ice hoops that are also coming out in February at different stores, and we're going to talk about that a lot as well. So those are a little bit less for you guys because it's like more children's toys or activity toys, but I haven't seen a person pick up a drop top ball that didn't love it. So get ready. But you're going to be able hyped. to walk into major, major, major retailers all over the world, and you're going to be able to point to a product and be like, the guy well, that in the made United that. States and Canada. That's all over the world. <laughs> and we're working on it uh, and you're going to be able to say the guy that makes that product is the podcast host I listen to every single week yeah that's kind of cool yeah yeah. And Ben helped accomplish that. That's why he travels all the places, too. Yep, exactly. And that's why he's in a bunch of hotel rooms that he probably should be streaming Moto on yeah cool <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yeah so do, are you ready to talk about the GP? yes I think all that's right. probably a good plan 
All right, so we've got Michael Grothy, who's now sitting here with us, and he's going to talk about the GP results from this last GP, because he's going to play in the Team GP coming up. That's right. Hi, everyone. What's going on? How you doing? I'm good. Uh, so before we get into GP stuff, because we're going to go over GP Oklahoma City, and we're going to go into GP Santa Clara. Santa Clara is the one I'm going to. Yep. Yeah. Uh, ben has asked me to allow him <laughs> to pitch you a deck. I don't <laughs> have to ask for allowing things. Uh, no, I had, a, I had a concept that I talked about really yeah, quickly. Yeah, sure. He did on, say, I'm going to do this. <laughs> yeah. I had a concept that I talked about on 10 Minutes of Modern last night that um, I'm, I think it's kind of silly and fun, but um, I, I want to share the logic behind this really quickly. So I did a, a thing last night, uh, four underplayed one drops. And the four underplayed one drops that I listed were uh, Weather Wayfarer, uh, Blood Hall Ooze, um, the the one one that turns into a three two in white toolcraft exemplar two toolcraft exemplar and vexing devil I've talked a lot about vexing devil you guys know I have an affection for that card toolcraft exemplar is pretty straightforward because there's a lot of good artifacts in modern that card probably should see more play and weather wayfarer actually does see a decent amount of play as a one of or a two of but bloodhall ooze does came, it uh, people yeah it, I, when I posted I've seen that coolest I think it's more popular. When people are playing Ranger of Vios. Yeah. Yes. That yeah. card's that card's like actually ge- like a legitimately good magic card because it's unique. But the other ones are like fringe. They're like they yeah, yeah, have yeah. Their purposes. Weather, wait, the, the problem with Weather Warfare is more that there just aren't the same amount of good lands to yes. find with it than exactly. it is that it's a bad card. Yeah, you can't get Caracas or Wasteland. Yeah. So the theory that I had was... If only. The theory that I had was that... That would be bad um, for everyone. <laughs> the scalability of power on a magic card, it, it trends down significantly with each extra uh, mana you add to the CMC, right? So... A one drop is very powerful. If it's a really like pushed one drop, it is great because you can play it on turn one. In modern, I would say two drops are a little less good, but almost as good as one drops because the format is dominated by good ones. Three drops are like fifty percent worse than ones and twos. Four drops are like seventy percent worse. The 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 uh, the effect of the card's uh, power the more the more it costs. I do disagree for two reasons. Well, let me finish the thought because we're gonna we'll, we'll fully get into this. Well, I, I I more on but you're gonna skip over the percentages you gave on the quality of converted mana cost no, no, and I no, think just, it's wrong. Well, let me just finish explaining it. Okay. Yeah. Do you want to interrupt me? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I'm going to finish explaining. So the theory was, <laughs> the theory was that uh, it's not about card power. It's about, it's, a, it's about effect on the game and how much more valuable it is to draw a good one drop on turn one versus, say, a good one drop on turn four, right? So if you have a really powerful one drop that obviously in a vacuum is not as good as a great four drop, the difference, obviously, is that you can play it on turn one. You can't play a four drop on turn one, and the game is in a totally different state by turn four. So that was why I started to think about what does Blood Hall Ooze do in a format where we now have a whole bunch of really good green-black two-drops. So Grim Flayer is a staple card in modern. People play a ton of that card. Um, anyway, before I fully ramble on this deck, go ahead, Alex. Uh, yeah, four-drops are, like, way better than three-drops by, like, a wide, wide margin. Agreed. That, that I agree Fatal push exists, but more because uh, Inquisition of Kozlek exists. And also, the power level of a 4-drop that Wizards is willing to print is much higher than a 3-drop. For standard cards, they're fine with a 4-drop coming into play and dominating the game versus a 3-drop where they have like a weird 1-foot in, 1-foot out. There's a lot of 3-mana 2-2s two that are just bad. Where like, Think about how many 4-drops Jund has access to that all see play in different ways. From like well, They're starting to play Goblin Rebel Master now. True. Yeah, 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 and there are some three drops that see play. I'm not saying there aren't good three drops. I'm just saying, like in modern history, the amount of four drops that have seen play versus the amount of three yeah, drops. Yeah, that's that see fair. I just think Jund is higher. a bad example because right now I feel like a lot of Jund players are shaving four drops in favor of Goblin Rebel Master. But I mean, like Junk also see like people are playing Siege Rhinos again. 
So I, I don't Next disagree with you. Souls, right? If a three mana card. Yeah, I don't yeah, disagree yeah, yeah. with you. I'm not I saying three. I'm not saying three mana spells are bad, but I'm saying that saying it goes from fifty percent to seventy five percent when I think it's really like because of the uh, Inquisition of Codes, like more than anything, it's like parody, if not weighted towards four drop. Um, so I would just the only reason I would disagree with you is that. The only reason I would disagree with you, a three drop is still on the whole pound for pound better than a four drop in modern because a four drop means that to play it on the fourth turn of the game, you have to hit four lands, you have to hit four lands, and it has to have enough of an impact on the game that your opponent by turn four, we know modern, by the way, is a turn four format, hasn't just won the game already. Because like, there's not that many four drops people play in modern that come down and stop your opponent from doing what they're going to do. Yeah, there's you- a, bun- a bunch of ones that just win the game. I mean, like... Sure, agreed. So, but my, my my point would still stand, which is that one drops and two drops are fairly similar in power level. Two drops are more powerful. One drops, if they're great, are the best cards because I think what he's getting at is that tapping out on turn three for a three drop that doesn't like immediately stop your opponent from winning is better than a four drop. Yeah, but my, my point is that Wizards doesn't print three drops that do that, but they do print four drops. That do well, I that. just mean like you can play, you can afford probably to play. Guys to stay trapped on turn three, but playing Chandra on turn four and not getting killed is like not really a luxury you have in a lot of matchups. So this is all just theory crafting, by the way, and the whole entire. I mean, point we could of, do an entire episode. Yeah, on this. for sure. And so the whole point. Do that later. The whole point of bringing it up was that thinking about one drops, and when you look in a vacuum and say it like Blood Hall Ooze, it's like that card's not really very good because it's going to be a one one on turn one, and there's not a way in Magic you can make that a three three on turn two. It doesn't work. You can't get a black and green card on the battlefield the same turn. So it ends up being like a long oh, that's a game. separate. Wait, why? You, you can use Simeon Spirit Guide, but that's bad. Yeah. Let's talk oh, about good okay. stuff. <laughs> so the idea was looking at one drops that are undervalued and how can you make them good. And so I started thinking about this, right? Grim Flare is a very good card. Obviously, people play it already. And I started thinking, what other black green two drops do people play? People used to play Putrid Leech in the standard. That's always been a card that's on the fringe. It becomes a 4-4. Putrid Leech um, comes up once in a while. I've seen randomly people ship you lists. I really, really like, um, what's it called? Um... The, the troll, lot with troll, lot with troll is another one, and the last one that is particularly good with this card is Noose Constrictor, which is a standard. That is a standard standout. Winding Constrictor. Winding Constrictor. That's the one. Noose Constrictor is the one that you discard. Yeah, it's, it's the new wild yeah. Um uh, Winding Constrictor was a standard standout and has legitimate application. So, so imagine, just imagine this for a second, okay? Turn one, you play Blood Hollows, right? So one one for one. That uh, at the beginning of your upkeep, if you have a black permanent, you put a plus one plus one counter on it, and a green permanent, you do the same. Turn two. You cast Lotleth Troll. Turn three, play your third land. You cast Winding Constrictor. You discard Slitherhead, the 1-1 one, one for 1 that has Scavenge 0. Now, because you've got Winding Constrictor on the battlefield, because you've discarded it to your troll, your troll's a 4-3 instead of a 2-1, and then you exile it, you scavenge it, to put two more counters on the troll, you've now got a 6-5 Trample with one mana still open to regenerate, and your Blood Hull Ooze that you played on turn one is now a 4-4 because you put three counters on it on account of the Winding Constrictor. So I like everything here other than... Wait, isn't it a 3-3? Because it should have gotten two counters at the beginning of turn three because of the Lotleth Troll. But then that's oh, it. you're right. It's a 3-3 because three, three. Yeah, okay. you have to play there. Yeah. It just gets them the first time or... Every, every turn, turn it every gets upkeep. bigger. But on the upkeep of turn three is where it okay. becomes a 3-3. Three, three. So, so when you're attacking on turn three, you're attacking with your big Lotleth Troll and your 3-3 three, three Blood. As long as you have Slitherhead. <laughs> my whole idea here was that my whole idea here was that uh, how many black-green how many black green two drops are there that are sweet? Could you play another one drop alongside this card that would be could justify playing this deck? And if you're going one for one on resources, is there a way to just 
sit there and make your ooze like enormous so that with a winding constrictor, this thing's going to be like a 10, 10 or even bigger, even bigger than a death shadow at a certain point in the game by not really having to do very much. The blood hall ooze winding constrictor interaction is definitely cool because winding constrictor provides a black permanent and a green permanent. And it has like added synergy with the card. Yeah. I mean, even just turn one blood hall ooze, turn to winding constrictor without all that other fancy stuff. Assuming your opponent doesn't have a removal spell, you're going to have like a really big blood hall ooze. Yeah. Because I mean, I'm not looking at the card, but if I recall correctly, it's two different triggered abilities that trigger separately, right? So one will trigger and put two, and then the other will trigger and put Holy two, Holy crap, right? I didn't realize that. You're right. They're two different abilities. Yeah. Wow. So it's going to, it so becomes be, a You'll five, be attacking five? for five on turn three, plus if Winding Constrictor can profitably attack seven. That's right? really good. Anyway, this was just an idea that I was thinking about. Here was the biggest problem with this deck. This is, and we'll start talking about the results in a second. Uh, my big issue here was that I wanted in my mind the black-green aura from Shadowmoor Eventide, the one that would get all the bonuses if it enchanted a black and green creature to be good, and it's one of the really bad ones. It's a five-mana common. Uh, so <laughs> nine times out of ten, yeah. when you say, here's the problem with this deck, yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the problem with this deck is that this one card from this one set of this cycle that I'm a little obsessed with makes it not work anymore because it's not playable. I feel like what you described was good and then now you don't like it because of a card that doesn't have to be in it and would probably even if it was like a two mana version of this card that was good i still think it would be bad but the rest of this deck is 100 percent a thing that i am on board with right now. <laughs> it's it's pretty cool i think i think i think like the blood hall lose thing with yeah with winding constrictor just in itself is really good and i think that there's a there's an interesting play here with Scavenge. Uh, I think that one scavenge card, though it seems like it's not particularly good, I actually think is pretty good. Like, I think I if think you have enough ways to discard it to get value out of it. It's just going to be a free two counters on. Well, and you can play Glim- Grim Flare is another black green card exactly. that stocks your graveyard with with Stuff. juicy Slitherheads. Exactly. I, I mean, I don't think there are any other good like scavenge. playable scavenge cards, right? Like Verils, kind of, but none of the creatures in this deck. They're really all just going to be scavenged two for two. The three mana haste for three isn't yeah, very good. Speaking of scavenge, scavenging ooze seems good in this yes. deck. It's like a one yeah. constrictor. I think, I think Jun counters is a sick idea. I think the... Really yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like in an aggressive deck, like if you're building a deck around plus and plus one counters, it's going to be aggressive and you're looking for one drops. And I feel like I don't think... That there's a, a one drop that's better in this deck than Blood Hall is. There's also the possibility. No, 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 no. I'm just, I, I, I'm just against the need of the Shadowmore enchantment. <laughs> I think oh, everything yeah, yeah. in this oh, deck yeah, sounds yeah. sick. I think we're past yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. There's, <laughs> there's also uh, the idea I, that Slitherhead is a black and green permanent for one, so that on turn two, if you say like wanted to say, play like Blood Hall on turn one, turn two, you play the Slitherhead and like Fatal push their creature. It yo, means I that think, your guy's gonna get bigger on turn three. I think you can get like if you want three one drops, you play. Uh, experiment one and, and the ooze, and then yeah, you get away with that. Up. And if you really want to get spicy, you could play Young Wolf. Well, there's another deck, by the way, just just for the record, that uh, Hagen Kirk sent me a, li- a link to. And this is a deck on Twitter that he saw, and it's another plus one plus one counters deck. But this deck's like all about evolve. Yeah, and it, 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 is it the one that like you destroy your? It's the blue green one that it destroys like Young Wolf with um, Pondrify. Pondrify, yeah, yeah. Sick, and you right? get three threes out of it. Yeah, that's spicy. Yeah, um, it's like so my style. I like red Pondrify, and I was just in. Yeah, <laughs> I think I, I mean obviously Walking Ballista and. Um, Hanger Backwalker are another two cards that are probably something to consider in this deck as well. Yeah, I think just they're. Those. I think I think they're a little less efficient. They're a little too. Hanger Backwalkers. Well, it just costs a lot of like it costs getting a lot free of, counters on. It's really good. I mean, I don't think that you would play Hanger Back as a four of, but I no, think yeah. it's got a home in they the deck. They also have no color, like which a, is a problem for your. 
I mean, what, what I think, if you want to make the Blood Hall Ooze plan work with the, all the black green stuff, you need to find other ways to make the black green co- uh, colors and, well, and multicolored things relevant. And right you, now, they're not. Oh, you know what? back and Walking Ballista, if we're playing Grimflare in this deck, they also add another card type. Yeah, that's true. So yeah. you can just dump them in the graveyard yeah. early on if you're light on mana and then hopefully get to that Delirium. Collective Brutality, too, is definitely a must in here. Discard Slitherhead. Maybe. Yeah, well, uh, it's a I think, Oh, yeah, I think it is because it's a black I mean, removal if, spell. If you're playing Lotleth Troll, too, I think there's like possibly Lotleth Troll and Grimflare. There's like possibly other graveyard shenanigans that can make their way yeah, into this deck. For sure. Right. I'm not thinking of any off the Sham- top of my Shambling head, Shell, anyone? There could be something in here. Ooh. <laughs> Shambling Shell is like kind of sweet. Sorry, <laughs> um, All right, let's let us let us get on to the okay, GP. Okay, the results. GP. Yeah. All right, so this last GP was crazy. Uh, Tron, or actually every single deck in the top eight, cheats things into play. Well, yeah, so... Um, Either through making mana faster than it should in ways that it shouldn't, or... So here's what I noticed about this topic. Good old-fashioned show-and-tell. You have, you have three Tron decks, right? You have two mono-green, one black-green. You have two scapeshift decks. You have a dredge deck. You have a Jeskai deck and a living end deck. Yeah. And the Jeskai um, deck is not just any Jeskai it's deck. It's Jeskai Breach. It's yeah. through the Breach Jeskai. It's, what's the most fascinating about this top eight is you've got three Tron decks that are like... They're basically unfair decks with like kind of interaction, but only like gigantic, huge sweeping interaction. No, no, green black has fatal push. Yeah, for sure, and that's the reason. That's the why blacks. it's black. Yeah, yeah. it's collective brutality in the sideboard and Fotsies too, right? That's it. That's the reason. You've got two scape shift decks, which again are pretty much combo decks trying to do something unfair. You've got Dredge, which is like an all-in, I'm going to win the game early by putting an unfair clock, doing things that magic cards aren't supposed to do. And you've got Living End, which is again a deck that's trying to take complete advantage of something that isn't supposed to work like this. Yeah, I mean, all of these decks cheat stuff in the play in one way or another. Well, Tron Tron gets three, seven mana on turn three in a way that lets them play seven mana Planeswalkers. You know, through the... Or Titan Shift get, you know, through ramp a bunch of mana earlier than they should. And then literally Jeskai Breach, Living End, and um, Dredge put things into play that it shouldn't be able to in a way that that the like rules aren't made to work with. The only deck that's cheated. not supposed to be an unfair deck is Jeskai. And it's through the breach Jeskai. It's cheating in Emrakul. Th- this feels more to me like when I read this Jeskai breach list, this feels like the old Splinter Twin decks where it was like where it was like Okay, we're going to play this blue red control deck and then we have these 8 to 10 Pokemon cards. That's what Andrew used to always say. Yeah. Kind of feels exactly like that. You have four through the breach in this deck and four Emrakul. And otherwise, this is just a straight up Jeskai deck. And it's sweet because through the breach is an instant. So you can right. like you can just hold up cryptic if you're afraid your combo opponent is gonna win. And then, oh, you don't need to crypt you don't I don't need to play cryptic. I guess here's an Emrakul on your end step, because through the breach you you sacrifice it at the beginning of the next end step. Right. So it once the end step happens, it triggers. I it's it's definitely I mean, that was something cool that Splinter Twin had access to as well, because they could like, you know, oh, I don't need to play any counter spells on your turn. Here's a Deceiver Exarch. Untap Splinter Twin. Right. Oh, that means that's is, the game plan. This is like yeah. a very similar game plan, because Through the Breach is also an instance similar to Deceiver Exarch. The invocation art on Through the Breach is actually really sick. Is there it's anything... one of the few invocations that like looks really, really, really cool. Is there anything yeah. in this deck other than Emrakul that you no. can get into play? Just nope. Snapcaster Mage? Four nope. snaps, four Emrakuls. And it's interesting that they're also not playing any Nahiri, because like a lot of Jeskai Seriously. control decks, when Nahiri first came out we're playing um like nahiri with emrakul as a wing con and this deck is playing emrakuls for a different reason and didn't even bother putting any nahiris in the sideboard and i can yeah i can see putting a nahiri in somewhere i think part of the issue how many lands is this deck playing 22 but it has search for escanta to find those it's crazy that it's it's crazy that 
we that that was that was a major thing that happened. We talked about year in review just just before you came on. Um, one of the major trends in modern was decks on the whole shaved two plus lands. Like modern doesn't play twenty twenty four lands at all anymore. It plays like tw- it plays nineteen to twenty two. So I'm I'm currently playing Grixis Control in modern and Search for Iskanta does kind of allow for a little bit of land shaving because the majority of the time when you play it, like you want an extra mana more than anything else. And then later in the game, you're able to, you know, leverage it as a huge source of card advantage. But that, Plus that extra land, into a land. That, right, the extra land that Search for Iskanta gives you is really huge in a control deck. Right. Especially a control deck playing multiple four drop counter spells. Yeah. Just three of them. That's multiple. That's more than four. one. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing this deck is... That's the funniest part to me. This deck is not playing anything in it that isn't just straight-up Jeskai control other than these eight cards. And, and like, what and I think it's really good. Like, I think this should be maybe the way this deck goes forward. I think this is really hard for decks to deal with, and it plays Splinter Twin in a way that's fascinating. Well, because, like, a lot of the recent... Um, Everybody knows that Jeskai's been the most brewed with and, like, I would say dominant of the three-color combinations, Where, but but not in the sense that it's winning, dominant in the sense that you keep seeing different variants of it show up in top eights, and they're all different. So the, the Jeskai Geist decks got really popular again. You see the Spell Queller versions. You have a version like this. It just, people keep kind of coming up with their own takes on it. We've seen the, the Nimble Obstructionist one with Nahiri's. Like, people do all kinds of crazy stuff with this color combination, and so I do feel like eventually there's going to be a regression of the mean and we will see one solid consistent version of this deck but it just hasn't been a thing yet People well i don't know i mean i stuff. think that the tempo deck is pretty different like in the in the top 32 there's a different deck that's playing um you know three guys two mantis rider four spell queller uh, alongside the signature four snapcasters yeah i did see um, the mantis rider jeskai deck which is and again, that's like you know pretty different from this deck because it's more looking to slam down a threat you know on turn three or close to turn three and then protecting that threat. Whereas the Jeskai Breach deck is just a control deck with Through the Breach as a win condition. Right. And, and most Jeskai decks like classically are looking to... like The point of Jeskai is, oh, I can accidentally burn my opponent out. Because Snapcaster Mage, four Lightning Bolt, and a few Lightning Helixes lets you. This only has two Lightning Bolt and two Lightning Helixes. Like The Lightning Helix are there to stall, and the Lightning Bolt are there just because you want... Six path to exiles. You, you so, want snap bolt. I mean, I think I think when you talked about the Mantis Rider deck that you saw, Mantis Rider is a thing because Fatal Push is more prominent than Lightning Bolt, and that is an advantage that you're playing a three drop. That's like a thing. <laughs> yeah, the three toughness is way less relevant than the three CMC. Totally. Right. Totally. Um, yeah, this deck is sweet. The, the other decks in the top eight, like definitely the the black green Tron is an interesting deck. Um, so, do you guys think that Tron needs a ban? No, okay. I just think it just this this is such a different. This is such a different top eight than we've been seeing out of yeah. like the SCGs. Um, I think this is just a top eight that's capitalizing on everybody playing mid-range. Yeah. I mean, it, this I mean is... the Jeskai Geist decks are on the rise. Death Shadow is obviously a thing. And then these decks kind of go over the top of, like, you know, even Eldrazi Tron and decks like that. Because, like, what does, you know, turn two Chalice of the Void do to any of the decks in the top eight? Right. Totally. So, yeah. like, th- these decks are just, you know, a lot of the top decks in the format were more mid-rangey and these decks came into capitalize. Mm-hmm. Most interesting thing about this top eight or about this uh, the, this Tron, the black green one, is that it's got two copies of Ravenous Trap in the sideboard which is like, when you read Ravenous Trap and you think about where the format is right now how has this not just been like one of the premier sideboard cards? It, like it, this, I haven't seen somebody cast a Ravenous Trap in quite a while and I forgot this card existed and it costs zero. It's like there's so many decks in the format that you just want to have this in your hand. Yeah, it's For those that don't know, it's black, black, two for an instant trap. 
If an opponent had three or more cards put into their graveyard from anywhere this turn, you make pay zero rather than paying its mana cost. Exile all cards from target player's graveyard. This is in your hand. You don't have to commit any mana to it. You don't have to play a spell bomb. You don't have to play a relic. You don't have to build it into your game plan. It's just in your hand as a free spell. It's like playing Fairy Macabre, except it's not two targeted cards. It's the whole graveyard. It just ends dredge. Like, it just wins. It's really, really, really good. Well, it does does the thing that most blast dredge cards do, which is you exile their whole graveyard. The problem with this versus other effects sometimes is... Any non-repeatable version, Dredge sometimes has a chance to bounce back. Recover, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's definitely very good against Dredge. There's a reason they're playing it. It's definitely one of the better cards there. And it's really good with decks that focus on colorless mana that really need to just nuke a graveyard. Like, and that's what these Dredge decks Also, are I doing. think that this is worse than a lot of the repeatable ones for against, like, um, you know, uh, like Tarmogoyf decks or stuff like that, where you might want, right. like, Grimflare Tarmogoyf decks, where you might want some Grave Hate. Like, something like Relic of Progenitus is going to keep them off of Tarmogoyf, but you don't necessarily, like... Need to nuke their graveyard. Yeah. And I mean, also, the, the three cards in their graveyard in one turn might not even happen, depending on the way things go. It's also and just the point like, here is that Tron is good against Tarmogoyf. Like, the, no, the reason they can too. get away with it is that, like, a deck that's playing Tarmogoyf isn't getting... Going to beat Tron nine times out of ten. It's also really good that against Snapcaster decks, like this is in a lot of cases, like against the Shadow decks. Well, how, how do how does Snapcaster? I mean, like sometimes they'll get three cards in their graveyard in one turn, and like that does happen. I'm not saying it doesn't, but this this is very specifically my bad graveyard matchups are the ones that are like Living End or Dredge that they're pumping their entire deck filled with spells, and I need to be able to nuke them or I lose. Versus something like. You don't think that like like sometimes end of turn in shadow they're gonna like end of turn thought scour and then they're gonna try to snapcast or do something and you do this in response and then their whole next turn they were gonna cast Tassiger or Angler is just over. Yeah, but the, those decks also drew three cards there. Like the the yeah their side the game plan of like I'm accidentally getting my graveyard filled so I can cast these spells for cheaper is important to them. But it's not like they didn't cast seven other spells that they're also drawing in the new cards think, and putting threats into play. I think that because we're talking about Tron here where their main grave hate card historically has been Relic of Progenitus. I feel like against Grixis Death Shadow in particular, Relic of Progenitus is where you want to be because you can just play it out early in the game and start keep making it very difficult for them to dredge without committing your entire card to it. And then just keep track of, like, do I go over this? So the the reason you need to look at it is why did they play this instead of Relic? I and think I it, think it is because of the this is better against the deck matchups that are harder for it to beat because it's also very good against gifts ungiven which is like a matchup that storm has to keep an eye on sure yeah yeah yep, for sure and i think oh i think and i think this card is really good against storm i think like things that tron has problems with are storm and dredge not and in, jund and Crixus really Shadow. Against storm, and yeah. especially if you're like tapping out on turn three for you know some outrageous eldrazi whatever turn three or four uh you don't have to leave up that one mana to exactly because, you know, the Storm player can play around Relic by waiting for you to tap out and then playing Gifts Ungiven. But with this card, then there's no... I mean, there's no way for them to play around it. You either have it or you don't. There's right. there's almost nothing that we can say that would can quantify to players, to newer players, how important zero mana actually is at high-level magic. Like, when the, in the more eternal Especially formats. instant speed. Like, that's even why, in a, a second ago, when we were talking about Slitherhead, it's like, yeah, Slitherhead's a bad card. But on the other hand, it's like, if you have a deck set up where you're going to be able to get... Two power or four extra power for nothing, for for nothing. That's worth something. It's worth a lot. So when you can respond, you can play, you can commit to the board, and you can respond to somebody with this card for no for nothing. 
it's like that that is worth so much. I mean, it's why Force of Will has always been the defining yeah. card in Legacy. Yeah. So, um, so okay. So moving into other decks in the top eight. Or? No, I was going to say the next GP. Or do you want to finish this off? Yeah, go ahead. No, yeah, I was gonna say, so so based on the top eight that's happened at Grand Prix Oklahoma City, what decks do you think are going to be well positioned moving into the Team GP on the seventh of January? Well, I just think people are going to there's, there's going to be a lot more Tron hate. I mean, I also think let's 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 uh, call a spade a spade here. We didn't mention Zach Elsick and his run with Lantern, or you mentioned it earlier, but um, he went nine o day one or eight o day one, right? And there were quite a bit of pros speaking Lantern's praises on Twitter as well. Yep, and Lantern well, Control either speaking Lantern's praises or talking about how they wish it didn't exist. But either way, there was a lot of buzz about Lantern going jo- into the day one of this GP. And John Bauer placed eleventh with Lantern Control. And it's just that's just another like. Uh, you know, unfair doing something that you're not supposed like Sam Black is also twentieth with Lantern. Yeah, I have a feeling I have a feeling that this next Grand Prix you're gonna see a lot more dominance out of much, much, much more like fair, aggressive trying to just not allow you to do these sort of things. Decks. Well but but fair and aggressive are things that Tron preys on and like people like there's gonna be a, a percentage of the people going to that tournament being like Oh, Tron's good. I'm gonna play it. So like, you don't think that like there'll be a lot of Merfolk decks that want to like eight, like play eight copies of C's and just take out sto- they take out. Well, Tron? also you know depending on how aggressive you are, like I guess Jund aggro I wouldn't play. But if you're like Burn, I think that that's yeah. pretty hard for Tron. Yeah, but I think Burn are... just has a collect. Yeah, and, and it's a medic. Yeah, I mean these are definitely good options. I think, I think disruptive. Look at. I think you're gonna just see a lot of disruptive aggressive decks. So I think humans will probably make a return. Affinity. I think Affinity. No, yeah, I think you'll I'll... see Burn. I think. Merfolk to me seems like a pretty obvious one. I, I could see a lot of people going in trying to play Merfolk. Playing Spreading Seas, a bunch of Lords, and like two copies of Seas Claim or even the full eight. Seems I think, pretty good I think for them. the I think for the teams that are out there that they're like, oh, we're standard players and one of our buddies plays Legacy, but none of us have a modern deck, Merfolk is like one of the easiest places easiest. for them to accidentally yeah. fall into. Probably because they're reprinting a bunch of cards. And then just like it's not that expensive. And it is relatively well positioned because of spreading seas being good against Tron that they might take that on. People have been talking a lot on Twitter calling it tropical merfolk now because there's the blue green version people play. And, um, it, and it just, yeah, I would say one or the other. It goes back and forth. I mean, we, we talk about that a lot. Like, I think at this point, it's still 50 50, right? I, I don't think there's. I haven't a, seen mono blue I mean, if, merfolk do well this year. I've seen if tropical like, merfolk do well, do well. So, And if Tron and Scapeshift are specifically what you're trying to beat going into this GP, then I think that you want to play a faster version. And I think the green version is faster because they are, they have access to a two power one drop. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not about. Doesn't. It's yeah. not about playing Master of Waves and swinging for the win on turn five. It's about killing them on turn three. Yeah, yeah, I, I have mean, a feeling you need, to hit, you need to hit them hard and fast because it's not just Tron we're talking about here. I mean, Scape Shift also was right. I mean, Scape Wonder Shift thing. won, right? Yeah. So, so you know, though, like what's the, the other thing is Tron like Living End is Murfolk is bad against Living End because Living End has instant speed, three mana board wipes. So, yes. like there, there are you other can pack decks here to beat Living End if you're really worried about that matchup. But the problem that Murfolk has against Living End isn't what they're bringing into play. It's that they have the instant speed board wipe to take their stuff out of play. Yeah, like the, that's fair. the the issue they have is not necessarily the like oh because eventually they just play their six drop for six mana. Well, so okay, I mean if you're worried about living end, you could play like remand. In yeah, exactly. Side. I was just, well, I was, and some of the yeah, merfolk I mean, decks. You do do that. Yeah, there, yeah, there's always a flex. There's there's always six flex slots in the merfolk deck, and I've seen the ones go heavier on creatures. But the six flex slots will usually sometimes they'll end up with three dismember and three spell pierce. Sometimes it'll be a, a snare, three pierce, and two remand. I, you don't usually see remand, but you usually see the one drop ones. So mm-hmm. I could see just playing four copies of Pierce, and like that's what you do. So if I, I'm walking that team that's tournament, fair. I'm taking Affinity. Do you know what almost none of the decks in this top eight have? 
Graveyard hate. Artifact. Artifact hate. I mean, well, and also people are going to be shaving artifact hate for graveyard hate because Dredge and and Living End. Right. Yeah. Like the 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 classic conundrum is: Do I bring Stony Silences or Rest in Peace? And this is a top eight that really wants me to bring in Rest in Peace. I always bring four, bitch. <laughs> four Leyland and six eighty four rest in peace four living uh, yeah just undone. <laughs> My sideboard's always the same. I just there's like certain matchups I always fear. It's because I only play one kind of deck, but yeah. like I always have the same sideboard in every deck I play. Um, I don't know. I feel like Flame Jab is probably a card that's pretty good against Affinity anyway, right? <laughs> Flame Jab. God, I want that deck to be good. I bought all the cards for that deck. The only things I don't have now are the loams. I just huh? don't have the loams. I've ever, I even bought the lands. Yeah. All right, so uh, we, the card, got full while recording the episode, and we missed a little bit of what we recorded while you were gone, uh, while Ben was talking about the gif, the deck he's been, been working on that involves Life of the Lum, and the only card he doesn't have is Life of the Lum. Uh, I gave him for his Christmas gift that I had bought earlier this week and was sitting in the desk that we're recording on for me to give to him eventually. It was a surprising and unexpected moment. It was really nice on the cast. We were, tra- really we were thinking sweet. about trying to Hollywood you guys and recreate it for the show. We decided not to. Yeah, but I gave him a place out of Life of the Lums. Really so nice. Merry Christmas, Ben. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. And then we got in a little bit of a detail of like why is, you know, the way Life of the Lum is good, but we kind of missed all that. Uh, the moral of the story is that I love that card. It's card sweet. <laughs> um, okay, so getting back onto what we were talking about, uh, what? So, so now that you know, we talked about Affinity, we've talked about Merfolk, we talked about Burn to a certain extent, we talked about other decks that are kind of like the second level. Uh, where, where, what is your head at right now of where you would want to go yeah, for so- GP Santa Clara? So I, yeah, Tron, Scapeshift, and Graveyard decks are obviously level one right now because they just, like, broke out of nowhere and top eight of the GP. And level two is these decks that beat those, right? Like the fast aggro decks, Affinity, Burn, um, and, Merfolk. and Merfolk decks like that. Yeah. And so what I'm looking to play um, is probably some type of Jeskai um, because... I love playing with Cryptic Command. I played Blue Scapeshift for a long time uh, until it became less good than Red Green, and then I frustratedly traded off my Scapeshifts. And now I've been playing Grixis, which is not really a deck that I would want to play at a GP, although I love playing FNM-type events with it because it's kind of mentally fatiguing because pretty much all of your matches are like 40-plus minutes. And when you play nine 40-plus minute matches, it really wears on you. There's, there's exactly one person... On the planet that I think should be playing Grixis. Yeah, I also I also don't think Grixis is as well positioned because of its like almost unwinnable Tron matchups. Unless you're Corey Burkhart. Yeah, who hit was fifteenth place in this GP. Yeah, he was fifteenth at OKC <laughs> in this field of a bunch of Lantern Control and Tron. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make sense. It's so great. Um, but uh, I'm not Corey Burkhart, uh, so I am not looking to play Grixis. But that's the reason that I'm looking to play Jeskai, because the top Jeskai decks right now are not just pure control decks that are looking to beat U.S. Sphinx's Revelation. For the most part, they are uh, decks that are looking to play a control game plan, but they can win out of nowhere, which I think is valuable against right. Tron and also just valuable for your for your psyche. Because if you're able to play a 20-minute match at some point during the day, you can kind of use that time to recharge, go to the bathroom, get some water. If you're, you know. if you're, if you're round three to match six opponent is a free win for you because you've got Emrakul on in turn five. Yeah, and I then, mean, if you either you Emrakul them lunch. or Geist of St. Traft them, I haven't decided which of those two cards I'm going to be playing, but it's going to be one of them. Based on what we've talked about this episode, and this is obviously, you know, hurts me inside to say this because Geist of St. Traft is a wonderful card, but I'm leaning really towards Emrakul. My one issue with this deck as it stands right now 
is what Splinter Twin was good at, what even like Pod was good at back in the day is the you know yes they have these free wins they have these cards that as ben has said are just like pokemon cards they just they're in your deck if you put them into the table the game ends um but you're you don't have an alternate win condition with the current the just guy breach deck that top aided here you you know you have only two bolts and two pat uh, two um lightning so. helixes oh, sure. so you your, your burn plan isn't really there so either upping those or figuring that and out is something I'd think of. And only two celestial colonnades as well, mm -hmm. which is like another blue-white backup plan. Right. So you're like, really, the only threat you have is Emrakul here, which seems like... you don't like... even have a Nahiri game plan. You have to actually just resolve a through the breach. So if your right. opponent brings in four dispels, you're going to have a rough time. Right. And so, so I, what I would be looking to do is somewhere in this list add alternative um, win conditions. Of, of some variety, be it a Geist of St. Traft in the sideboard or the main, a, a Vendillion click somewhere in the list, though that does turn on some of your opponent's removal. Um, and, uh, something on that level to give your deck a little bit more of a uh, ability to dodge left. Yeah, so I, I think I'm with you. I think the easiest and, and smartest plan on there is just to go heavier with Lightning Bolt. You just play more of them. Play more bolts to go with your snaps. Uh, I mean, I think the deck's a little less versatile if you up the bolt and helix count. But if you want to be able to just kill people, then I think that's probably what you should, you have to do. I think you could cut the singleton electrolyze for a bolt. Uh, like electrolyze is fine, but I don't know where it's amazing right now. Versus, yeah, it's the especially in a in a. I mean, here's the problem. This weekend, electrolyze was whatever, but next GP when the format is going to be affinity merfolk. <laughs> As the main two decks you have to beat. Your black-white uh, token shows up out of nowhere to kill you because it's... Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's the thing about going to a big modern tournament like a GP is you're always just going to have somebody's playing their pet deck because yeah. they live close to the GP and they're going to go and they're going to play their favorite deck in the world because this is their big chance to play it at a large event. And, right. you know, right. when that deck is black-white tokens or, you know, uh, flame jab life from the loam or something, then you just have to be ready to beat something how many, like that. How many buys do you have? Uh, I don't know how team buys work. Oh, okay. Oh, Personally, weird. I don't have any buys because okay. it's been a busy year for me. I haven't gotten a chance to go to a lot of GPs, which is why I'm super excited. I know that one of my teammates uh, definitely has one, if not two, buys. Okay. But I don't know how team buys work. I think that previously in team tournaments, there have been zero buys Got for it. anyone. Oh, okay. Uh, I don't know if that's the way they're doing it nowadays or not because the last time I went to a team GP was Return to Ravnica team sealed <laughs> got it so so the one thing i will say about this is there's there's two things one the more buys you have the more you should be metagaming metagaming the field because you know the the last or the gp los angeles for instance i built i came to tron but i came to the the tournament with tron because i had metagamed i was like these are the seven decks that i need to be able to beat this deck is really good against all of these it has a really good game plan against tron or this deck or this deck because i have these free wins built in great i have a good game plan but because i had no buys my first three rounds were against eight whack goblins a birthing pod pain artist deck and or a collected company pain artist deck and like one other random deck that were all mean, just like uh... Blood Artist. Blood Artist, sorry, yeah. Blood Artist, Collected Company deck. And just like, oh, these are matchups I had no plan on being able to beat or was not worried about at all because no one's playing well, Zoo. Well, so that's one of the reasons. I mean, and this is also just like the way that I personally enjoy playing Magic and I feel like am good at playing Magic is uh, that's one of the reasons that I'm looking to play something more reactive rather than just going with Affinity. I was actually considering Affinity for a long time because mm -hmm. I do enjoy the kind of like 
um, you know, decision, decision trees decision involved tree. in the in the game uh, in the games with affinity, where you have to figure out when to sack things to Ravager, where to equip plating, how to spend your mana most efficiently, when to animate lands. Um, and I, I kind of like those decisions, and I do think that affinity is going to be well positioned here if a lot of people are on big mana. But I really just like decks that can you know play in a way that can answer a lot of the field. And I think that Jeskai, if I face a collected company blood artist deck or an eight whack deck, as long as I'm prepared you know, with a little bit of life gain like Blessed Alliance or something in my sideboard, I think I have a good shot against those decks because I'm playing so much removal and counter spells that are just flexible answers to a lot of different right. types of random decks that I might just run into. And and there's some versatility probably out of the sideboard. I mean, this deck is playing Negate, which I love, and Disdainful. Like, it's playing a lot of different yeah, weird this, counter spells. So, like, having some burn plans that can come This breach in. list definitely went... Uh, on the the sideboarding strategy of have a lot of versatile answers that you want to bring in against a lot of decks rather than like you know really targeted stuff like right. line of sanctity or stony silence yeah yeah everything is like a versatile like there's like four different the five different counter spells engineer explosives a braid blessed alliance celestial purge these are all cards that read this is good against 10 things but it's not going to wreck anyone versus something like Leyline uh, or or Rest Stony in Peace Silence, or Stony Silence, which is like, if moon. I cast this, I win these two matchups. But so otherwise... I am thinking somewhere in the 75 to, uh, because I don't just want to fold to Tron, especially if I'm playing the guy's St. Traff version, which I think is a little bit softer mm -hmm. to it than the Breach version, probably. Um, I was thinking of playing some amount of Spreading Seas in the 75 in order to, you know, be able to Spreading Seas some Tron players. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seems sweet. I mean, th I think that's like a search for as can't as can't. Like the the interesting thing in looking at this is I get why search is there, but it's like the one card that seems vaguely replaceable, which maybe just be not having played with it. But like, there's a one of electrolyze in the main deck. There's two remands, two mana leaks. But I think you want some amount of counter magic. Maybe mana leak is just bad. I'm not a big fan of mana leak in general. This person just top eighted a GP and I didn't, so I can't just definitively say it's a bad right. card. But having played a bunch of control in my life, I have generally not been a fan of mana leak because it's great on turn up until like turn five and then it becomes really bad and i guess and this in these really decks good. you're looking to play past turn five for sure yeah. so there's a large portion of each game where you're not going to be having that card be relevant so i'd, I'd either replace the two mana leaks with four remands or maybe the mana leaks are what become the two lightning bolts that i think this deck i would i would replace it with so that i can have the burn snapcaster plan as a backup plan yeah, that's maybe what I like to do. But yeah, that, I agree with you. I really like this list. It's really, really, really sweet, and the it's basically Snapcast or it's basically Splinter Twin. Angle of it is really appealing to it to me. Um, and otherwise, I would say Affinity or is the way I would go. I think those are the two or choices Merfolk. I make. Or Merfolk, yeah, one of those three. Just like Merfolk turns, it has the land Merfolk's also a little angle. friendlier on a budget if you're just looking to put something together <gasps> right. quickly to get to a GP and not worry about, you know, building a deck that you want to hold on to. <laughs> right. Merfolk will be very inexpensive at the time of this coming out because it, we will have had Rivals of Vixalon spoilers come out, so everyone will be like, oh, these cards that we already know, some of them are out, and hopefully Curse Catcher is in the set. If Curse yeah. Catcher isn't Fingers in crossed. Rivals, I'm going to be... Uh, specifically unhappy. <laughs> yeah, Modern I already bought needs mine. It, like, standard needs it. From a financial Everybody perspective, I don't want to it to be cheaper. But from a like, the, uh, why? Like Silver Gill Adept makes less sense to me than Curse Catcher being reprinted. Yeah, and it's in for sure. Yeah. <sighs> um, all right, so that's that's it for the episode. Unless we have anything else, Ben. No, I think that pretty much does it. All right, sweet. So the make sure. I want to thank everyone for listening this year. Uh, it's been really exciting. We got the, uh, you know, thank Wizards for the preview cards we're getting every season. We got to preview some awesome cards from um, 
Avon Mind Sensor to Spell Pierce to Path and Inquisition of Kozlek and Modern Masters to uh, fame, Claim to Fame and more important, we didn't, did we? No, 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 we did Spell Pierce. Got it. Yep. Uh, and uh, Mike asked if we did opt. We did spell Pierce. Oh, no. That was Clarion Community College. Yes. I remember we discussed that. Okay. Uh, the, the big one for us and the one that we're most thankful is, is we did Fatal Push. It was a huge one. That's right. Yeah. I knew and, there was a big one. That and stay tuned for that our... Was, that stay was tuned for our... It was the first episode of the year last... This year was Fatal Push. Way to start the year. And stay tuned because we, cool, we have a cool one coming up. Yep. Definitely cool. The first episode... Of, literally the next episode after listening to this will be us previewing the next one. Exactly. I can actually imagine us doing. Yeah. Okay. I know. I know. I think I know what that episode will be. We can't tell you because it gives away what the card is. But get hyped! It's exciting. Thank yeah. you guys so much for listening. Make sure to follow us on Twitter. I'm at the MCast and at Kess Wiley specifically for me. I'm Ben Bateman Media. You guys can find me at Ben Bateman Media on Twitter and Instagram. I don't use Facebook. If you or I don't use Twitter. If you really want to talk to me, you can find me on the Masters of Modern Facebook group. Which is, it's good. I it's on Facebook, group. yeah. The official National Modern Facebook group. There's a page and a group. Follow both. The group is the one that's more exciting. Uh, great discussions are happening there. Also, the game that me and Mike made together for the Kesco company called Super Party Battle is available at thinkgeek.com. If you go to collective.company and see the episode page for this episode, it'll be there in the description. Click on that link, buy it, then go to Board Game Geek, write a great review. In fact, if you just write a great, great review, just because you like us, we'd appreciate it, but you really should play the game first. Yeah, it's a great game. It's really fun. Um, and make sure to check out the command zone. They're the best. Mm. Yep. <laughs> Are you paying attention? Well, Are you doing a me? <laughs> No, so this Oprah Winfrey just tweeted. This is going to be dead information, but I guess she just tweeted twenty minutes ago that the first hundred, first hundred thousand people to follow Oprah own Christmas on Instagram, she's giving five thousand dollars to as a Christmas gift. Get out your phones and follow it immediately. I don't know if it's real, but if it is, I just I just was trying to track I think, it. I, 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 how many? The first how many? Hundred thousand. She's oh, twenty one. There's only twenty one thousand followers as of this moment. Thank okay, well, this is dead news. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, so thanks everyone for listening. We'll talk to you guys next year. Yeah, guys. Bye. Happy 2018. 2018. Woo! Happy Bye. New Year. Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you for your attention. See you later, alligator. <laughs>